Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddy. With me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's 2021, and to mark the occasion, we're doing a podcast, because what else can we offer to the new year? Uh, I'm Luke, and I run the website where this podcast lives. It's thecustardtv.com. I'm joined, as always, by my podcast co-host, Mr. Matt, in the... Why did I say Mr. Matt? That's just weird. Matt, in the northern area. What's going on? We're going to podcast like it's 2021. Yes, and uh, Sarah's here as well, contributor to the site, an all-round nice gal. Hello, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What did we watch over Christmas, people? Did we watch any telly over Christmas, Matt? I mainly sort of wallowed in nostalgia, as I see you did as well, with all these Channel 4 oh, goes back to the God, 80s and 90s. I watched the first sort of episode and a half of that celebrity thing. And the SMTV thing. So, yeah, basically yeah. wallowing in nostalgia. Aside from that, it was a lot of only Connect and University Challenge and Mastermind, all the quizzes. I did watch some of the BBC stuff on Christmas Day up to Call the Midwife, but none of the, the sort of the big, big hitters, really, I, I watched. But those sort of nostalgia shows, I feel, always work over Christmas. And, and it was nice to see Kate Lawler get, being on two channels at the same time, which was a bit weird. I literally watched everything that was going. Really? Everything. <laughs> yeah. It didn't feel like there was much to call it everything. No, there really wasn't. I think that the BBC shot themselves in the foot a bit by having quite a poor Christmas Eve, Christmas Day selection. But around those days, there was really good stuff on. Lockdown um, has gone to 1603 in Upstart Crow. Then there was the Ghost Christmas Special, which was excellent. Oh, Taskmaster on Channel 4, they did um, their New Year's one. I didn't expect a Strictly Judge to be so good on it, and she was marvellous. <laughs> She's got a lot of work over Christmas, though, Shirley, because she was on, I believe, the Sewing Bee and Family Fortunes at the same oh, time one night. Amazing. She's had a good Christmas. <laughs> How did she do Sewing and Family Fortunes at the same time? I don't time? know. I don't know. It's like it's taped or something. Has she got a phone? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, speaking of wallowing in nostalgia, um, I did watch a lot of Michael Palin's sort of recaps on his travels. 
that yeah. was really nice. I enjoyed that a great deal. And it was really nice to not be in my living room for a bit, you know, to be in the Sahara or to be in, in Thailand or somewhere else with Michael Palin. To that end, I would also recommend The Last Woman on Earth with Sarah Pascoe. Um, she was really good as well. I wasn't expecting... She's done one travel programme before, but I wasn't expecting wasn't expecting her to be so good as a travel host but that was a really good program she went the views, to Cuba. the views of sarah do not re- do not represent the entire views of the podcast but yes we... <laughs> was the other one she did with the blind man yes i love him he's brilliant he pops up on quite a lot of things now the the guy who's the sort of he specialist was, blind traveler he was on master chef this year i don't know if you watch cele- any and celebrity celebrity family yeah, yeah. fortunes yeah, at the he... same time I, I, I didn't really watch anything over Christmas, but as you say, Matt, those Channel 4 countdown shows, that's my bread and butter. I love that sort of thing. <laughs> I do feel like Channel 4 shot themselves in the foot a bit because I thought it was just going to be a load of clips looking back at the 80s, 90s, noughties and tensies. Mm. And it was actually a proper countdown show that somebody somewhere had voted in. And I love a good Yeah, we, there was no real hype for this, was there? And you're right, it felt like a bit of a... I love the 80s, I love the 90s. That's what it looked like when you saw it in the TV guides. And it was actually, as you say, like a top 20, top 25 of shows of each decade from Channel 4. It was a really good history of Channel 4 and I wasn't expecting it to be so intelligent and in so much detail. It showed how cool that channel is. It's a, it's yeah, a really definitely. cool channel. I keep wanting them to bring back Swap because I just love that show. But now they can't because they can't go into each other's households. So, here we find ourselves on the second day of 2021. Um, I don't think it's been a bad year so far. Um, We've got four shows to review. The Serpent, which is BBC One's brand new show for the new year. Channel 4's acquisition of Hulu's The Great, which is technically already aired in in the UK if you're a subscriber to Stars Play through Amazon Prime. Also, A Teacher, which is going to be on the BBC iPlayer from Sunday, which is playing in double bills every night this week. And um, BBC One are filling the silent witness void by acquiring a show from Alibi starring Molly Windsor, Laura Fraser, called Traces. We're going to look in-depth at all four of those, beginning, Matt, with The Serpent. So, yeah, this is The Serpent, which is a true crime or inspired by a true story um, drama. It's eight parts. It focuses on a, a con man, Charles Sabraj, played by Tahar Rahim. I know how to say that. Um, <laughs> it, the first episode, I think, was divided into three timelines. That's how I <laughs> interpret it anyway. So you've got the, the sort of main one, which was sort of sandwiched in between, was Charles and his wife, played by Jenna Coleman. They were befriending this couple of Dutch backpackers. It's all set in Bangkok in the 1970s. They are trying to sort of hustle with jewels and trying to convince them to take this jewel back to Amsterdam and sell it for twice the price. There's also a story prior to that where we see uh, another couple of backpacker girls be introduced into Charles's world and we see the fate of one of these girls at the end and the final story is Billy Howell playing someone from the Dutch consulate in Bangkok trying to work out what happened to the couple two months after their disappearance how's that 
What did you think, Sarah? Loved it. I mean, this is right up my street. True crime, yes, please. Also, so warm. It was like a holiday destination. It was just beautiful. I guess um, you're just so desperate to go abroad. I am. Just... I just want to be somewhere that's not grey Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought it like immediately it was really intoxicating. There's trendy parties. It's swinging Bangkok in the 70s. So the dazzling sunshine. There was a market that was so vibrant and exciting. You could almost smell the food. Like I was completely immersed in the atmosphere. I was sold on it as a destination immediately. It was really good. But then you've got this really kind of seductive dark side to this country at this moment as well with these criminals this sort of criminal underworld that are basically doing whatever they like with no consequences charles sabraj perhaps i don't know we'll have um, a different <laughs> pronunciation for everybody <laughs> why not um he is so cool his wife jenna coleman so cool they're exactly the sort of people that you would want to meet on holiday and be um, befriend have but... you missed the fact that they're both serial killers <laughs> Well, I, think... I thought you were going to say they're exactly the sort of people you'd like to be killed by if you had the chance. <laughs> well, you know, quite quite a classy affair. I mean, I, I, th- I think they're both, in, in this first episode anyway, both extremely mysterious. They are keeping the sort of, like, evil on the down low, well, to a certain extent. Jenna Coleman, I thought she was... I don't think we see her do anything particularly illegal in this episode, but she is complicit, and she she certainly doesn't help doesn't seek out um, her guests and try and help them. Um, It's all really sinister and sort of like underhand at the moment. I guess like the travellers themselves, you're seduced by what they're selling. But then right at the end, we see it all go to hell for Puerto Rico. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. I agree with Sarah as much as the sort of the aesthetic. I think it's perfect for New Year's Day viewing, really, in terms of, as you say, the the, the very glamorous 1970s Bangkok, the costumes, the you know, the sights and sounds, the cinematography was sumptuous. But I, I think Luke will will say this, that the story I felt was a little bit all over the place in terms of, the cutting the constant cutting between where we were and things like that and and you know i i I didn't feel really compelled by the story of it nothing about it really grabbed me you know i i think everyone sort of played their cards close to you know didn't play their cards close to their chest really you know you knew that he was an evil man i mean they sort of spoiled it for you right at the beginning where they started with that interview from the 1980s where it was like yes i was accused of all these murders but i got off so it's not like there was any sort of suspense or anything that is he evil or not we know he's evil if that makes sense at all my i have a lot of problems with it as is my thing this is a long tradition of me not liking anything the bbc puts on on new year's day it began with sherlock and then mcmafia and uh what did we have last year? Dracula. Yeah. I was all right with what Luther. Luther, yeah. I was all right I was with looking... that. I had a relationship with that. So so this, for me, predictably, the story's all over the place with the time frame. It just, I just found it so infuriating and so disorientating when I was watching. I didn't like the sort of the yellow gloss to make it feel like it was actually filmed back in the era that we're seeing it in. And I didn't find anybody interesting. I thought Tahir Rahim was somewhat magnetic in the performance, but not enough for me to 
you know, want to seek this out as I can on iPlayer. I just found it really disorientating, noisy, confused. It's written by Richard Warlow, who who uh, brought Ripper Street to life back in, I think it was 2012 that started. And that was often said that it was a cool show, but it was over-stylized and a bit, you know, not set in the right time. And this feels similar again. It feels too over-stylized. I wanted it to calm down and relax because you know I love a good true crime drama and this was a story I hadn't heard of before a, a killer that's done all these horrific things that was not on my radar but I just couldn't get on with it Found it see really I irritating. knew that we would have this discussion because Luke and I are usually of exactly the same mind when it comes to hopping around in the timeline if I, I see something really that starts like... and it says it says three months previously and I just want to turn off there and then mm. because I think it's a lazy trick to make you stay and watch the opening is not exciting enough so therefore we're going to take yeah. you halfway through the storyline to some action and please and stay and spoiler there might be another there might be another show we talk about on this podcast that does that exact thing uh-uh. I guess. but in the defense of the serpent here I thought that really added to like the confusion and the tension. You're feeling the same way that these backpackers are feeling. They are out of their depth. They are away from home. They don't know what's going on. They're being taken advantage of. And I thought that was a really neat way of making you feel, you know, confused and out of your depth yourself. Um, because mm. usually I hate that kind of thing. But this one, um, I think it really adds to the tension and in a, it tells the story in a way that is more exciting to me than a linear storyline would have been. And I knew we would fall out over this. <laughs> not fall I, out. I think We're all in tier four, aren't we? We can't fall out. We I are. No, we, we, we literally I, can't. We're not allowed. <laughs> I think I'm sort of somewhere in the middle on this, because I do agree with you, Sarah, that it wasn't one where it was literally, we'll do the three days earlier and that will be it. You know, they were doing three different timelines throughout so they yeah i must admit it did it did confuse me a little bit but i was by that point 20 minutes half an hour in i was along for the ride and i was i was happy to sort of be immersed and see what happened i didn't mind the the sort of the messing around with the structure or not knowing where i was i don't think that's a criticism of the show per se you know i think it's a stylistic choice it's a stylistic choice they went with i i think you need to allow yourself to be swept up in it and not be so much yeah. control freak like Luke is when you no, well, I think I, th- I know everything oh no well, I, I don't think if, I think if I'd found the characters interesting I mean here I just didn't find anyone to 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 re- I thought the performances were good um Billy Howell I, I, I rated Billy in in Mother Father Son the first thing I'd really seen him in I rated him in that and I rated him in this but as far as a cohesive story I want to watch over the next seven weeks or all now on iPlayer that just wasn't enough for me. For me it felt like even in this first episode that they were elongating this story to make it fit eight episodes you know, I, I, I agree with you Luke. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors before we even graduated design school and we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place and with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank, NM member FDIC. To an extent that I don't think I'll be sticking with this. 
I, I get what they were going for in that sort of the stylized thing, trying to sort of lure people in. And then, you know, you can catch it up all on the iPlayer, which, again, I, I'm not too keen on. And I actually was watching this on the, the telly as it aired. And, and even the, the voiceover person saying, you know, it can all be caught, caught up with now on the iPlayer sounded a little bit weary, like she wasn't <laughs> too keen on the idea herself. Can I defend, though, that there, I think there are sympathetic characters here, but perhaps they didn't quite get enough screen time because of mm. the jumping around. So yeah. we don't get to know the serial killers because they are cold and unknowable and serpent-like, you know. That's why he got the nickname. But Herman Nippenberg, I'm going to say yeah. that's how he pronounces his yeah, name, yeah. and his wife, um, he's the ambassador's secretary. She's desperate for him not to lose his job because she doesn't want to go back to cold Germany they're the ones that are sort of fighting on behalf of these naive children, essentially, who are going backpacking and think that the world is a beautiful, shiny, happy-go-lucky place and being picked off by these, these terrible criminals. And he's also fighting against the establishment as well, that ambassador class are not interested in looking after a load of hippie long hairs um i thought the australian i like that scene. he was the uh, australian yeah. ambassador's secretary or whatever was just hilarious what did he call him a clog wearing tiny mouse or something <laughs> i like that scene where you had tim McInerney as well and and yes. you know the, the, you know these people who had been in this job for a lot longer than he had and and their dismissive attitude to the backpackers as you say yeah. he's quite sympathetic and he's almost sort of quite wet behind the ears keen to impress keen to sort of find out what happened to this couple and and yeah he uh, wants to do the right thing in in amongst a whole load of old white men who just don't care that it's europeans clinging on to these outposts in their fading empire and the vibe is don't rock the boat just out of interest because we talk every week about this show is on at nine o'clock on a Sunday, but it's all on iPlayer. And Sarah, as the one of the three of us that was really into this, are you more likely to wait and watch it on a Sunday night? Or are you going to go and seek it out on the iPlayer and watch it at your leisure? By my very nature, I would wait and watch it on a Sunday and I would put it on the big TV and that would be great. But I know, hand on heart, that my husband is not going to be interested in watching this with me at all in any way. <laughs> He just doesn't have the brain power for drama like he used to. And I think, to be fair, when when I used to make him watch the Scandi stuff, I don't think he was as interested. I think he was politely watching that, you know, like the bridge and the killing with me. <laughs> so I think, yeah, maybe I will have to catch up with it on iPlayer. But I'm the kind of person who is quite happy to wait that week and sort of have a think about it, ponder over what happened and really get into it in that way. Interestingly, this is going to go on Netflix worldwide, so I think that's partly, not to come to the BBC's defence, but I think that's partly why it's on the iPlayer, is because they have the eight episodes. And yeah, that makes sense. Before Netflix gets Yeah, there. rinse it as quickly as they can before Netflix yeah. gets hold of it. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, and it's kind of related to this, is that uh, Attenborough's new show, uh, A Perfect Planet, starts at eight o'clock on Sunday before as the lead in to the second episode of the serpent and a perfect planet is the new Attenborough wildlife documentary. Those always rate hugely for the family market and they're talked about and they look stunning on a service as the big TV. 
And all of that is going upon iPlayer as well. And I wondered how you felt, Sarah, about about a show like that that is so designed for family viewing and, and gets huge ratings for the BBC, all that being instantly accessible. It doesn't seem right to me. It seems like a very strange choice because it is the kind of thing that people do tweet about, they get on social media, they're talking to their families about it. The, the lizards, cha- the, the oh, lizards chasing the snakes becomes, you know, a, a sort no. of a well, cultural moment. It's the other way moment. around. The snakes chasing the lizards. The other it way was, around. wasn't it? My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to cast aspersions on the lizards there. No. So it was, it was the racerback snakes, wasn't it? Oh, it's just incredible. And it becomes those sort of goggle box moments, which again is another sort of advertising for that program yeah. for people to go and seek it out. So yeah, it, it's puzzling to me because it does seem to be the sort of last great things that the BBC do to sort of bring families together. Yeah, and it just means that the majority of of the BBC's Sunday night schedule is obsolete. You know, you don't have to watch it at 8 o'clock for The Perfect Planet and 9 o'clock for The Serpent. You can watch Mm. it whenever. And I know we live in an age where people record it and watch it whenever, but it doesn't ring right to me that a, a broadcaster whose only USP is that you have to be at on your sofa at eight o'clock to be part of a communal conversation is then just plonking everything on a streaming service just seems odd anyway talking of something um that's already available on a streaming service but is going the other way and uh, going on to channel four for the first time uh in its uk history the great is a brand new show that launches on sunday at nine it's been on stars play as i mentioned as part of Amazon Prime for a year now. It aired last May in the States. And Sarah, this sounded right up your alley. Oh, well, you were so right. So right. (laughs) Um, So this is the um, darkly comic satirical history of Russia. It's um, Catherine the Great and how she gets to be great. So she's this naive aristocrat from a a well-to-do family but a family in dire straits who um goes off and marries emperor peter the third um you know wonderful this can't possibly go wrong oh my goodness it goes wrong so badly and so quickly she's kind of um a little ray of sunshine she's a very hopeful optimistic girl Um, she's very sensible. She's, she struck me. I like saw a, a lot of myself in her. <laughs> yes, that's right. She lights up a room. <laughs> <laughs> she reminds me of a good, decent, intelligent Jane Austen heroine. And so she's got these great ideas, romantic notions about what it's going to be like to be empress. Um, and her, her stupid infantile husband basically ruins that in the first hour. It deals with some really dark themes um, but it, it's so funny and it's so clever. It had me at the asterisk on the title at the beginning. It's called The Great, asterisk, an occasionally true story. Yeah. And that's how I like my history. I like mm. it to be drama, comedy focused. And then you might learn a few things as you go along as well. Um, I really thought it was excellent. It reminded me a lot of the personal history of David Copperfield. It's also... Um, but also it reminded me of Channel 4's The Windsors as well. It's also from The Mind Behind the Favourite, which is a film... Oh, well, yeah, I was, I was going to say that. I know you haven't seen it. Have you, have you seen that? Yes, I have Sarah. seen it. I, I can't say that I loved it, though. 
No, it's it's one of, it's the co-writer of that, and actually having had read a, a bit of the background of this, this was a play of his from 2008 that he was trying to adapt, I think, into a film, and realised it was such a dense material that eventually it it was decided to you know to adapt into a TV series rather than a film. I love this. This first episode was the one of the funniest openers of a show. I think I've seen for a long time. I was properly laughing out loud. I think both Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt are just brilliant. They are so committed and you believe every word that comes out of their mouth. It's shocking as well because it just goes to some very dark places. Him giving her a bear as sort of a wedding gift and then at the end of the episode accidentally <laughs> shooting it and things. And, and, and when it does go to the more serious darker moments you're happy to go along with it and they they hit harder because of how funny it's been up to that point so when it takes a turn you're just you, I, I just found myself completely immersed I suppose saying all that I got to the end and I was thinking it's 10 episodes do I want to spend 10 more hours in this world and I'm not entirely sure I've got the whole thing and I I may do and I really did like this as an opener and I'm glad I chose to ask us all to watch it for the podcast. I just wonder whether it can sustain the 10 episodes, and presumably it yeah. does, because there's a second season in the offing over at Hulu where it airs in America. But I, 10 I does thought, seem like an awful lot, doesn't it? It does I mean, seem an awful lot. It was lot. so fast how much they managed to stuff into this episode. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that for the, the writer's sanity, they slow down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was a little bit worried as well because there's I know this especially happens with movies that I want to see and to an extent it happens with comedy as well but sometimes I think that people either front end the story with jokes at the beginning to draw you in or worse still put all of the best jokes in the advert and I was really worried that this was going to be a case of that and I don't think it is I think it just about got away with it. Yeah, I think it's really charming and it has its heart in the right place. And it's sho- I think it's going to shock a lot of people who think it's one thing and then realise it's something else. It's un- I don't think we've ever reviewed anything like it on the podcast and I can't second guess what Matt thought at all. I have no idea. I mean, I love this as well. I thought this Good, was hilarious. I'm, I'm so glad that yeah. you did. Because this episode, and I know you say they've packed a lot in, but it seems to be that, that this is sort of the introduction, her character changing from this mm. wide-eyed, naive, you know, I'm going to have, the, once I'm married, everything's going to be perfect. And yeah. then meeting this infantile barbarian, basically, who idolises his parents' marriage and his mum being perfect, even though occasionally he'll say that, that Catherine's looking at him like his mother did, disapprovingly, you know. I don't quite understand your thing about that, because the, the ten episodes, whether you want to continue, because I really want to, to keep going, but, you know, knowing that we were going to do this, I wanted to just keep the first episode fresh in my head before I plodded on with it. I think Nick Holt in it is absolutely fantastic. He's and, and he was in... The, uh, he, his character in this is very similar to his character in The Favourite, and I wonder if he was cast in this because of his role in... The, I don't know, Sarah, if you remember him in The Favourite. I don't think I do, no, but he embodied this emperor immediately, yeah. didn't he? He was just fabulous. Yeah, he was just like... Uh, especially, I love the scene when... The, well, one of the many scenes I love is on the hunt... Because yes. we have the conversation with yes. her every so often, they'll go, rabbit, 
yeah. <laughs> that pullback as well was hilarious. Like I didn't see that coming and it made me laugh so much. You think it's just them and the rabbit, but actually there's like 50 drunk people behind them. It's just brilliant. I also, I also think what was clever about it is it paints his character in particular as a buffoon, a complete idiot and a buffoon. But then as the episode progresses, you find out he's dangerous and he's yeah. wicked. And my attitude towards him changed. But I yeah. still found not, him hilariously just, funny yeah. at the same time. He's not his own stupid jester, which is what you no. kind of think he is at the beginning. But he's got a cruel malicious heart to him but you don't see that until later on and you don't hate him for it either bizarrely because i still it's found kind of a product word. of his his family isn't he and, and the fact that he's never been told no in his entire life the scene where she's in the river in the chest was really traumatic and dramatic mm. and, and we often talk about an imbalance in tone and how it seems all over the place this seemed to be so confident and know exactly what it was doing from the word go. And I think those sort of shows are just so easy to watch and embrace and relax into uh, because there's just nothing to complain about. The dialogue was fantastic. The performances were spot on. And I've taught myself, right, I'm going to watch the second one as soon as I've seen it. Because it's I, I think really good. Part of that might have to do with the fact, as I said, this has been his baby since 2008, mm. this, this piece. So he's knowing exactly where he wants to sort of hit which bit and and mm. maybe elaborate, you know, it was a stage play to begin with, elaborates out some of the scenes. As you say, there is a confidence to it. And and again, it looks fantastic as a, as a period drama. Um, a lot of it, I believe, was filmed in the UK. Um, yeah. There's some of the... Um, the supporting performances I quite enjoyed as well. Um, Sasha Darwin is this sort of bookish member, the only member of the court who actually seems to read and be intelligent and seems to be the one who is going to help her. Sort of well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Frigo Crumbled Blue Cheese, Kellogg's Club Crackers, Coca-Cola, All Liquid Detergent, or Utz Chips, and earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details plot against her husband to an extent also was it phoebe fox yes the, the lady in waiting her. who who's been alienated yeah. from from the rest of the the dim-witted women in the court because she's had an affair and and, and that scene where catherine's saying you know what her mother told her a wedding night would be like and then she's she just... just goes oh okay <laughs> It was wonderful. I I also think this is such a great acquisition for Channel 4 because it feels like a very Channel 4 show. It feels like a slant on the period drama. And it reminds me of all those years ago when Channel 4 would just sweep up all these great US shows and they'd be the home of them. And I think it's so great because although it's aired on Stars Play, the majority of the viewing public won't be aware of that platform and the show would have just 
not been on their radar. So for this to have front and centre showing at nine o'clock on, on Sunday night on Channel 4, it just feels brilliantly quirky and perfect for that channel. So I couldn't be more thrilled that it's getting uh, a proper airtime. I really do like how surprisingly, I mean, is it surprising? I don't know, but it's very feminist. There's a lot of satire here, not just of power, but gender roles as well. I think my favourite line in the whole show, and it's difficult to pick a, a good one because they're all excellent, when Catherine's seriously considering suicide and her whole serious suicide <laughs> attempt is undermined by Marielle calling for a bucket and towels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just wanted to make a mess. And Catherine says that she feels God has given her a great purpose in life. And then Marielle says, why did he make you a woman then? Yes, perfect. For comedy, I, I guess. In that scene as well, she says, would you like some cake with that knife? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I've talked myself around. I'm watching episode two as soon as I've finished this podcast. Um, the Great is on, as I keep saying, Sunday nights, Channel 4, 9pm. We're whizzing through them. Next is another brand new to the UK US drama. It is all going up, as is their want, on the iPlayer as a box set. And because they are weird... Short episode events, uh, they're actually playing them in double bills uh, from Sunday through to Friday so that we get all ten episodes of a show called A Teacher in one week. This will be dead easy for me to set up because the premise is very simple. A brand new teacher, played by Kate Mara, Kate Wilson, joins a brand new school and becomes somewhat intertwined with her student, uh, Eric Walker, played by Nick Robinson, and it is about her coming to terms with what this new relationship means for her, him becoming obsessed with her, and uh, presumably all the fallout of this relationship. It begins with Claire inadvertently stealing a lipstick from a pharmacy for no apparent reason, just to show she's an, she's a bit of a wayward soul and likes a bit of thrills in her life. She's trying for a baby with her husband, but neither one of them seem that committed. There's a sense that those two as a couple are drifting apart and she sees something in Eric, this sort of wise beyond his years kid who dreams of going to the same college that she went to, so she, there's a connection there. The college is unfortunately called UTI, which is a, a <laughs> urinary tract infection. I don't know whether they've quite thought about that. So it's it's basically that. It is short 20-minute bursts of this relationship. It is created by Hannah Fidel, and it is, like the great, it is from uh, an idea that she's had that was turned into a movie, and she's just adapted this for FX on Hulu, and now because the BBC have this deal with FX, we're getting it. Sarah, I already know you didn't enjoy this. No, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't sure that I was going to like it really from the outset. I was like, ah, I'll give it a try. I never saw Dawson's Creek, but I imagine this is almost exactly what it looked oh, no, like and sounded like. No, it's not. <laughs> Dawson's Creek was far more twee and sickly but, than this. What I would say is Dawson's Creek had that sort of escapism vibe yes. that it was in this sort of alternate world where everyone looked beautiful and, uh, you know, you could be swept up in this. This was going for more of a, Realism. you know, stark realist vibe mm. apart from the music which felt like it was out of the 1980s oh. so i thought flashing. it started quite well because it was going with that sort of like 80s style vibe like sex education did um so the first track that we hear on the opener which is great is oh baby by lcd sound system i yeah. love it and yeah, then it song. just fell apart with 
I mean, is that what passes for hip hop these days? Because that is awful. Those I don't people... want to get bogged down in the soundtrack <laughs> too much. Those people bonded over bad pop music, and that seemed to be the only reason why they were coming together. This tuition thing. I mean, if you're going to start an illicit relationship, why do it in a diner in the middle of town? It just Where made me works. so cross. Exactly. <laughs> no, I know they don't set out to begin this illicit relationship. But they, they sort of come together awkwardly and rather sweetly. But I don't know. It just it just, it didn't get anywhere in the whole two episodes for me. I thought that we were here for either an intelligent conversation about maturity, consent, power, adult relationships, or we were here for sexy titillation. Let's be honest. That's what the viewers are tuning in for. And I feel we got neither. This was trailered quite hard. And, you know, it was it's going to be a relationship between a teacher and a student. We both watched the first two episodes of this. As you say, Luke, they're airing on is it Sunday night. BBC Two Sunday with... night all this week from yeah, Sunday. Yeah, double bills all this week. But it really just felt like they were delaying the inevitable. Like, we all know where this is going. Can we mm-hmm. get there? No, we have to sort of pace it out a bit. You know, their first meeting at the diner and, and her sort of trying to maybe live a little bit vicariously through him. I think maybe that's where it starts, that she is looking for something. You know, as you say, she steals the the lipstick and her husband doesn't really care about her very much. She's already having fantasies about Eric at the end of episode one. And then, you know, he's arriving at his house to take him on a trip round the university. And, and it hits quite predictable beats as well, I think, mm. is the other thing. Like in the first episode, she says oh, my brother's a cop, and then he's the cop that breaks up the party that he's at in the second episode, you know. And and as soon as the cops burst in, I'm like, this is going to be her brother, isn't it? You know, it's not surprising at all, and there's nothing nothing particularly new here. I think that, that was my, my issue yeah. with it. Kate Mara is definitely the lesser of the two acting Maras, as is Elle Fanning is the greater of the two acting Fannings. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've only seen her in a couple of things. I, I mean, she was in Pose, wasn't she? And her, her character oh, there was. Was, yeah. was was sort of the... Incredibly memorable, because I just said, <laughs> oh, of course she was. <laughs> well, her character was a bit of nothing, really, wasn't she? Yeah. She was the wife whose husband was cheating on her with uh, with Angel, Angel in the first yeah. series, and, and, and she was being hit on by, oddly, James Vanderbeek to bring it back to Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek. Well done, Sarah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, as as sort of the lead who, who was obviously trying to hold all this together, I, I didn't find her that captivating, really. I just, I you know, I, I found it all a bit dreary. The one thing I was surprised about was in episode two, where they go to the University of Texas campus and stay for a kegger. Are you kidding me? That is an extreme ethics violation, which any teacher ought to know about. I was like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? And they sit on the stoop together and have a beer and it's all very romantic. And, you know, she opens up about her life and stuff. And I'm like, no, stop it. Also, I think the theme of the kegger was, was it eggs and kegs? I mean, that just sounds revolting. Who wants beer and eggs apart from... Unless it was Cadbury's. Well, I was going to say, apart from the UK government, who considers it a substantial meal, as long as you put pork around breadcrumbs around it. (laughs) 
satire there. Pushing this as a Brit as well, you always forget that the drinking age in the States is 21. 21 yeah. Like, you know, why, why is it a big deal that all these 17-year-olds are drinking beer at house? You know, we did <laughs> yeah. that all the time. Skins would have like, been a completely no... different show, the, wouldn't it? Yeah, the police are not going to turn up for, for people drinking age 17 well, in the UK, are they? For me, personally, <laughs> I wish somebody would stop putting my life out on screen. It really annoys me. <laughs> I have said a couple of times, and I've been wrong, and I've been correct, and I was wrong with normal people when I said that felt like a chopped up independent film. That is what this is. This is a new version of the film she's made with a new cast. The bigger problem on top of some of the scripting is the fact that these two people at the centre of this forbidden relationship just have zero chemistry. You just don't care about them. They're so wet behind the ears and dreary. You, you know, it's not exciting to see them do something that's forbidden and taboo and all these things because they're just not an interesting couple as a pay. You don't believe them at any point. He doesn't come across particularly interesting. She's really dull and it's not an exciting watch. It is an easy watch. You know, I watched episode three and four just to get an idea of how, you know, because there's ten episodes, how quickly is it going to come out? How are they going to be exposed? I was interested in that. But even four episodes in, that doesn't happen. Really? Wow. And I was was just thinking, well, I want the fallout, but it's not going to be that impressive because really these Mm. aren't these aren't characters that I that I have any connection with. Their world's going to be turned upside down when this all comes out. It's going to really affect me. So I was disappointed by this because the subject matter is a tricky one, and I subsequently looked at what other reviewers thought in the states and they sort of couldn't get their head around why the episodes were so short who the target audience was and it is a tricky subject matter but it just wasn't it didn't convince me it wasn't believable i didn't feel the connection that you're supposed to feel between these two people it just felt like it needed a rocket up its bum to start to get going and to come alive and it never did even in the extra two episodes that I watched. Mm, That's a real shame. I couldn't say anything about these people, you know, other than she is a teacher who's a bit unhappy in her current relationship with her husband, and he is a student. There's nothing else about them. I suppose just to draw a little bit of a line on, the one thing I think that they tried to do in this, and again, it was sort of half-hearted, was like have social media be a big thing. And, and I like the text coming you, up like, on the screen. Oh, I hated that. The screen. I, I like the text it. coming. I like that, and I don't normally like it. And I'll tell you why I liked it, because I genuinely thought it was my phone keep popping up. I thought <laughs> I'd done this mirroring thing on my TV, and it kept Because it's quite large on the screen. I, I thought it was too large, and it was annoyingly distracting. It was almost like they'd taken up half the screen, and the characters were going to start presenting the weather. <laughs> I hated it. I mean, there's much better ways. I love that people integrate phone screens and TV dramas in a clever way these days. And I think it's really important that people do that. This was not a clever way. This was stupid and annoying. So will you be watching any more of this? (laughs) Do you know what? I won't. I'll I'll go and watch The Great and the Serpent instead. What about you, Matt? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Nor will I. Just in case anyone was wondering. 
Matt's withering disdain is even worse than me ranting. I think that yeah. just that one word sums it up. Anything he does where it's yeah. where there's a slight wither, I start to worry. Uh, a teacher <laughs> airs Sundays through Friday on the BBC. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email: custardtvreviews at gmail dot com. Finally, a show that luckily for us we didn't cover when it aired uh, last summer on uh, UK TV's channel Alibi. Walk us through traces, if you would, Sarah, because I don't feel you've talked enough. <laughs> um, so this is a story of a woman called Emma Hedges, who is a lab technician returning to her hometown of Dundee for a new job at the university. So she's going to work at Scotland's Institute of Forensic Science. Um, this um, programme has been written by Amelia, Amelia Bulmore. Bulmore from an idea um, by Val McDermott, who is the queen of Scottish forensic thrillers. The queen of Scottish forensic thrillers. Do I say that three times <laughs> um, But Emma's life is not as um, easy as it might first appear. Um, she's actually the daughter of a woman who was murdered in Dundee. Um, and she begins a MOOC, which I knew that, you know, given that I work at a university, I need to tell you what a MOOC is. Please it's tell a, me what a MOOC is. It's a massive open online course. Um, so basically, did they say that at any point? They did actually, the... yeah. Okay, where was I? <laughs> it sounds like it might be World of Warcraft, a, a massive online multiplayer, but it's it's kind of the same thing. Only you don't okay. um, fight the horde; you um, learn about forensics. Um, so Emma is concerned that um, the professors that have put together this MOOC have actually used her mum's murder case as um, the basis of what they've done. Which again, massive ethics violation. Alongside this, we see the um, forensic lab doing their day-to-day work, um, which in this instance is um, investigating what sounds like a glamorous nightclub called Secrets, uh, which is burned down and it looks like it's probably arson. So, yeah, I thought it was very enjoyable. It's a little bit daft to begin with, um, but I really like the performances. These feel like a team of, of, you know, friendly colleagues who you want to spend time with and you want to find out what's happened to secrets and what's happened to Emma's mother. Sarah, you are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) This is just horrific. (laughs) And it's horrific. Don't hold back. There are so many reasons why it's horrific. But for me, I couldn't quite get my head around the fact that this is Amelia Bulmore, one of the most exciting on-screen performances, performers... Of the of the recent years, you know, Scott and Bailey, Sorry. she she starred in that, but she also wrote the majority of the fourth series when Sally Wainwright left. So we know she's capable of really humorous, thoughtful, gripping dialogue and telling great stories. Val McDermott, I used to love Wild in the Blood with Robson Green and and Hermione Norris, and then Simone Labib, and that was all very good. Red Productions have made some of my favourite shows of the last twenty years, but. Everything about this was so clunky and nothing rang true. The performances were so wooden, even from great Molly Windsor, who I've loved, you know, since she was a little kid, not in a teacher's sort maybe, of way. Maybe don't re- rephrase yeah. that a little No, bit. who I've enjoyed the performances of <laughs> since she was a child. But this is just so clunky. It was telling you the plot points rather than, you know, letting them happen organically. There's a line where she's speaking to her aunt. 
Oh, I love said... this line. Are you going to say you? This no, is you, my favourite line. It. You say it, Matt. Was it when she went? I think I would remember if my sister was dismembered. It was, it was that line. <laughs> and there's also a line earlier on where she says, don't be late for your new job. And then Molly Windsor turns up at this lab and go, goes, sorry, I'm a bit early. When before that, that no she, was, she was stuck in a massive traffic jam that just lined up in the cars and stuff. And, the, you know, the impetus was that, oh, my God, she's going to be running late. And she's going to make a fool of herself. No. And then she's she's found out she's chosen for this job that she's not very qualified for because the people thought she would be the most fun out of everyone they've interviewed. Everything about it annoyed the hell out of me. I thought it was like a my first crime drama is what it felt like. <laughs> Fisher Price crime drama for kids. Can I ask you, Luke? Sorry, in terms of the sort of logistics of this, with it being an alibi show, is it a BBC co-production? No, How has it no. ended up on the BBC? I think the BBC are involved in UK TV channels because obviously the majority of Gold's output is the BBC. So I think they have a stake in it, but they've not made it. So I think that what they've done is they've gone Silent Witness, which is normally our big forensic hit of the of the new year, can't be on, so we'll nick this from Alibi because it's got some themes that are similar and we'll stick it on. But th there's no... This is, this is Mondays and Tuesdays and it's uh, and then there's Staged is on afterwards, so it's 45 because minutes. Because it's, it? it's only 45 minutes, yeah. Is there, is there six or eight? Or I'm working that out okay. now. <laughs> Using I mean, the internet. While you're doing that, while you're doing your, you, you know, your very extensive six. research. Oh, it is six. Six. Okay. So it's going okay. to be over in three weeks at that rate. <laughs> I've worked that out mathematically as well. I mean, this felt if you like, like hey, this, Matt. I will think about replacing Sarah with you for. Oh no, I can't because she liked it as well. I'm have to do <laughs> the next one on my own. It, it, it was just a bit weird for me. I think. Thank you. At times, it was overly expositional, as you Completely. say, you know, Auntie Sarah, you know, it, your new job. It was all very hand-holdy. I remember watching an interview with Russell T. Davis once where he talked about good writing, and he said there was this scene he absolutely hated where the first lines were, I can't believe it's your wedding day today, sis, or something like that, you know, so clunky, you know. There was but then a bit at times... where she says to her father, she says, I met up with so and so for the first time since 2002. Yeah. I mean, who says that? <laughs> but then there were bits where I don't think it explains enough where she met up with this bloke in a cafe and it turned out to be her stepdad. And I oh, don't think I really, really struggled with that. Yeah. I was like, how many dads so, has this girl got? So sometimes it went out of its way to do explainy dialogue and sometimes it was really confusing. And, and either do one or the other. It, if there wasn't for the bad language and, and maybe some more of the explicit scenes, it felt like this could easily be a daytime drama. Yes. You know, it's all... Bright and shiny, Dundee, and, you know, all this forensic work. It didn't feel, as you say, as layered as something like Silent Witness. But this feels, as you say, quite basic. And people like Molly Windsor, who really, after this and cheat, needs to sack her agents. Please, <laughs> can somebody have a word with uh, whoever is representing this girl? And Martin Constance in it as well yeah. in the next episode. He's in the series from episode two on, so yeah. yeah. He's her love interest in it, though, by the looks of things, which is weird. That's a bit creepy, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, not for me. I, I, I think I get 
you know, why, Sarah, maybe you'd like it because it is that bonkers, but it doesn't go far enough for me. It doesn't quite either go fully bonkers or fully serious. It's somewhere in the middle and it didn't quite yeah. sit right for me. I, as I was making notes on it, I did write down it starts like Hollyoaks. It's got very bleak well, topics with incredibly cheery pop music over the top. It it is it is a bit jarring, definitely. And I did I liked the very detailed strategy meeting they have at the beginning of the investigation of the fire. There's a lot of basics covered in that that I'm pretty sure the experts around the table do not need repeating. <laughs> it's very tell not show, which is not great TV. Just to bring it back to my every time bugbear that opening scene where, which is what we see in the closing moments of the episode where yeah. she said i found something out about my mother's murder it comes out of nowhere because it just seems completely random it assumes that you've read up on what the show is in the tv times and you sort of know but but then it flashes back to three days earlier and you're just waiting as always with with that mm. device you're waiting for that scene it's just, and it, it was Hollyoaks, a particularly seen scene either no it wasn't um i do feel that it maybe it's useful for um not me but you know maybe certain people with a grudge and access to a toaster now know how to burn down a building it did feel like they were going a little bit into detail about how to rig a toaster like a little bit like they're explaining bomb making to the general public which maybe isn't a great idea i don't know (laughs) I, i couldn't get my head around how bit like the undoing that we spoke about a a few weeks ago the talent both in front of and behind the camera could produce something so mediocre i just couldn't get my head around how that would happen you'd think somewhere someone would go you've just been stuck in traffic so you're not going to turn up early for your job especially when your annoying aunt is just don't be late for your new job and then they show a traffic jam, making you think, oh, she's going to be rushed off her feet. And then she says, sorry, I'm a little bit early. What was the point of the whole... Oh, I hate this. so. It's one of the worst things I've seen this year. Definitely. <laughs> if not the worst thing I've seen this year. And also Molly Windsor is just not good. She's just not believable as this woman. She's just I mean, she's not she wasn't someone good. stuck in grief. I didn't think she was particularly good playing the the sort of the vampy role in Cheats. That did go fully bonkers, and I watched all of that. But she was like the sort of seductress in that, almost like playing the innocent but having a, an ulterior motive, and that didn't suit her. I think this is a role that should suit her. You know, if she's a good actress, she shouldn't always be playing these. You know, like in Three Girls, where she was this victim. And I, I think the fact is here, though, it's just not a well-written character. You're not quite sure of what character she should be playing. And I think that's part of the issue is the script doesn't quite know what the character is. So mm. Molly, unfortunately, can't give as full a performance as we've seen her give in the past. I don't think it's the fault of the actress as it is of the script. I yeah, was no. playing um, Spot the Cliché a little bit. I mainly enjoyed her stepdad, Jimmy. Um, he oozes a certain Scottish fury bubbling under the surface, like 80% of the cast of Trainspotting, which I'm pretty sure is quite a stereotype. <laughs> and there's also that scene where she meets up with a long-lost friend and she says, oh, you, how have you lost your accent? And she says, just happens. Well, what's the point of that? As a <laughs> she hasn't girl? been there since 2002. 2002? I don't know. <laughs> she can give you the precise date and time. <laughs> yeah. Christ. But yeah, I just can't get over 
how bad this really was. Yeah, I think probably the best that we can all agree on is that it was an easy watch. It wasn't. Easy it was for me, but no, infuriating no, for you. <laughs> I, it took me a while to get through this. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. just smashed through it because there really wasn't a great deal to it. It's it's vapid. I, I struggle to sort of keep my attention, if that makes sense. That's why I found it such a hard watch. Because there wasn't anything there. I was just distracted by everything else around me. <laughs> oh, just distracted a bird by... out the window. <laughs> yeah. Distracted by literally anything other than yeah. this programme. That That is not a great review. Yeah. And <laughs> they like, kept pausing it going, oh, I'll just watch this on YouTube and then I'll go back to it. That's all. That's how... That's, just that, that's why it took me about two hours. If you wandered off and did the washing up, then that is that yeah. is death. <laughs> uh, and I think Alibi... Possibly, oh yeah, I think the boss... Uh, Traces is on the BBC <laughs> Monday and Tuesday uh, for three weeks on BBC One at 9pm. That is it for the podcast this week. Um, I think the general consensus is don't watch anything other than The Great. Sarah can be trusted on one programme, but not on two others. Um, <laughs> Thanks! <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you should they want to reach out to you on Twitter? Not in a teachery sort of way. <laughs> but in a in a normal friendly online sort of way. I am at Sarah Hamstera on Twitter, um, and my blog is um, deadpixeltest.tv. Um, come and tell me what I should be watching because I really don't have anything in the schedule at the moment. I think I'm just still, you know, full of Christmas movies and um, cheese and biscuits. Point me in the direction I should be looking at for 2021. Speaking of that, that's a clever link that you don't realise you've done. I spent all of New Year's Day, because I'm a rock and roll star, updating our massive coming soon in 2021, 2022 and beyond uh, A to Z list of everything, not just coming to traditional television, but also to streamers and US networks, Amazon Prime, Disney+, Plus, Apple TV+, Plus, Netflix, there's a whole A to Z list there of everything that I know to be either on the way or heading into production or, or announced and cast details and all that. So that's on the website now. Please give it at least a glance because I worked very hard on it and uh, I lost a whole day of my life to it. So that's thecustomtv.com and it's the coming soon page there. Matt is at t- Matt's TV Bites on Twitter. I'm at Luke Custer TV and the podcast has its very own Twitter feed because it's a real boy. Uh, at Custard TV Pod is where you find us. Uh, I was just going to say I'd like to, and I'm going to remember to put these up on on the on the podcast Twitter. Some feedback maybe would be good on the shows that we're watching, just to get a, a sense of what other people. I was going to say normal people <laughs> think of. Yeah, I love um, to normal people. And maybe reading some out on the next show just to get Absolutely. an idea of of what people thought. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sitting in a cold place in your house to record. You are this. always welcome. Uh, you warmed always, up. You, are you, I've warmed up, and you guys, you warm the cockles. Aww. Ah. It might be a condition, though, Sarah. If it's... <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> I'll give the doctors a ring on Monday. Yes, if you can get an appointment, good luck. Um, <laughs> we, we'll be back soon. This has been the Custard TV Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs> Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. 
Well, well, shopping for a car? Yep, Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today.